Welcome back to the Perspectives Podcast. My name is Bruce, and I have my lovely wife, Deborah here. Hi, Deb. Hello. Last week, we took a pause on the Parenting Podcast series, and we actually, I did a little update on Ukraine, and we're going to pick up on teenagers. Fun. Why are the teen years your favorite? I really enjoy this period of time when they have grown old enough to discuss deeper issues and thoughts, and it's fun to engage their minds and their personalities on a deeper level. I like the toddlers for the opposite reason. I don't have to engage their minds. We can just play. We've been learning about the mind, the brain, you know, the limbic system and the frontal, prefrontal cortex and how when they are younger, so even before they're born, like six, seven months of pregnancy, their emotional part of the brain, the limbic system is developing and up until like three years old. And so it's neat. To realize that's why I like them mm. because they haven't managed to form all their words and start to put thoughts together. It's just reaction. They're mm. happy, they're excited, they're sad, they cry, give them to mom. And you enjoy as their their minds coming together <laughs> and it's not all emotion. It's it's thought and uh, conversation and engaging different topics. I enjoy learning together. I think that's been something that we've maybe put a priority on uh, because we didn't focus so much on homeschool subjects that when they got to this age, it was interesting to delve into subjects and thoughts that were interesting to them and to me. Mm -hmm. And we should say from the beginning, like for those in the West that are going through traditional, you know, K through eight, and then they get into high school years, which is what we went through uh, mm -hmm. personally, mm -hmm. that none of our kids have gone that path. We've been outside of the West, Western school structures. We've homeschooled and done a bunch of combinations. So for some of you, you may not identify with maybe even our style or way of thinking, but maybe that's challenging or refreshing, uh, or maybe you just think we're crazy. That's okay, too. What we also wanted was character. So no matter what they did or where they went, that they would have the character behind them to sustain. We had an issue with one of our grown adult children that made us step back and go, okay, Maybe we shouldn't be doing this parenting <laughs> podcast. Uh, and I think as parents, we are always probably hardest on ourselves mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, that, that, that's my fault. Yes, just coming up with thoughts and ideas for this podcast. And there's so many things I feel like I'm learning now that would have helped and been so good back then. That's the heart of this podcast is not like we have a bunch of information that's just worked. Mm-hmm but that we have raised four teenagers and have two in the house mm -hmm. and two coming. And so we're giving ourselves advice and trying to practice as older parents now what we wished we had practiced earlier on. So let's get started. But it is a time where they even become aware my time in this family is going to come to an end. It's been interesting to see how each 
child or each teen has responded to that. Some of them have been like super excited, like I got two more years, I'm out of here, where others are quite nervous mm-hmm. and not so excited about the thought of leaving the family. Yeah, but most of them, by the time they're 18, they are ready to try something on their own. In the previous podcast, we talked about the parenting funnel and that we were giving them more freedoms as they were showing they're able to handle the freedoms. So the goal is more and more freedom until you just don't need to parent through role Mm -hmm. or law or rules, but that they have matured and grown into those freedoms and responsibility. And so the teen years really starts to put that to the test as well, because you're, you're still not finished nurturing, um, embodying kindness, integrity, forgiveness, bravery, like all of these attributes are still being formed and solidified in them. Uh, there's still discipline, but you're hopefully as you're going through the teen years, it's decreasing, not increasing. I think for me, because what I would go back and discuss with you and as a family is the consequences for things so that you're not parenting by role, as you said, but that there are just expectations and consequences for actions that they know ahead of time so that there isn't a power struggle between two of you, but there's clear expectations. Right. I remember giving the car to one of our, I won't name names, <laughs> but giving the car, the keys, a symbol of freedom, a symbol of responsibility. And this was in Ukraine explaining, like, I'm giving you trust and it's like a bank account, you know, it's full of money. And if you blow it, if you are not responsible with this freedom, it's like you're cashing out and it decreases, and it's it's hard to get it back. Mm-hmm. Like once you give trust, that to teach them in the teen years, like every action, every freedom is a valuable thing. Like you're being tested here, and and are you able to handle this? And so, long story short, I'm downtown, and I just see my truck just flying, <laughs> yeah, down Main Street, and I thought, oh. Why did you do that with his friends? And so the keys were taken away. It's like, you're not ready for this responsibility. And next day, hey, dad, can I? No. Mm -hmm. You remember, we gave you that freedom and you blew it. There wasn't anger. There wasn't, you know, relational. Separation. Yeah, there wasn't strife. Mm -hmm. There was just, like you're saying, consequences. And you'll get another shot. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure when. But it's going to hurt for a little while because you're going to have to walk. Yeah, I think that's a really good point during these years for the parents to be able to stay calm. That as they're testing the boundaries and their own freedoms and discovering who they are, if they can see you reacting calmly to their mistakes and emotions and the things that they're going through you can create a safe place for them to test and to grow. And as a couple, we can help each other with that because I've seen at times you flustered and it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, Deb, and same with me as you see, okay, I'm on the hunt. (laughs) Where is he or she? 
You too, Brahman. It's also a time, I think, that you bond as a, a dad or a mom with the child in a unique way as well. Like in the teen years, it's not going to be maybe dad with his sons. It can be dad really connecting with the daughter or vice versa. And that was surprising for me. Yes. And another place where personalities come into play a lot that certain personalities are attracted to each other. And I love the idea that each child does draw something different from you. So they are pulling... Different types of anger. (laughs) They are pulling (laughs) things out of you that uh, another child wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Good things, maybe negative, but... Uh, So as they get into these 14, 15 years old, uh, of course, gender is a big issue. And the girls are developing generally more quickly. We would watch our boys move from not wanting anything to do with the girls to now struggling, you know, with attraction. And and I want to talk about that for just a minute, because that's a huge part of this Mm -hmm. time frame of teenage years is Mm -hmm. like growing into an adult body, the physiological, chemical, hormones, all of these things. And that was something that I think I was too slow early on in, because we didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a lot more proactive in the 13s and 14s to just talk about sex, talk about what's happening because it's good Mm -hmm. what's taking place, Mm -hmm. you know. Thankfully, we had a lot more boys, so that kind of fell on your shoulders, that responsibility. And uh, I still have two young girls, and my mind shift is still changing. And Avoid. <laughs> but yeah, that this was kind of a taboo subject, and you mm-hmm. like did bare minimum. Yeah, we live in such a hyper-sexualized consumer Western media, it's all, it's chasing after our kids. It's trying to get their, especially for the guys, they're attracted through sight. And so it's their kryptonite. So all these shapes and bodies, and now just a click away, um, it's just a minefield. And so for, you know, early on, I remember when the internet first came out, there was all the filters and parenting security software and stuff. And it's like, well, okay, that's what Christians do. We, Mm. we just, we security up all of our, mm-hmm. we didn't even have gadgets then, just our main computer. Yeah. But now, of course, everybody's on their phones and they have access to everything instantly. And there's no avoiding what they're going to be exposed to. And so early on, teaching our boys, at least, that there's a battle. It's real. Sin at its core is satisfying a good desire the wrong way. And so when you have these desires inside you that are sexual in nature, it's like, this is good. This is the fact that you find this hair color and that body shape and these things are fine and good, but it's when you are now acting upon them in this way, you know, looking at pornography or masturbating or whatever, that these pathways are going to leave you empty and dissatisfied. And so the battle's on for purity. This is something that as a dad, as a man, I'm in this battle too. 
This isn't something that you're strange and weird and no one ever talked about it with me even as a teenager. So I thought, you know, being attracted and kind of lured into these secret Mm -hmm. sins, it was just me. Mm -hmm. And I felt so condemned and dirty and the power of sin being secrecy. You know, when, when you have someone else to journey with, why not make it your dad or your mom to find victory and to know that, okay, I fell again, but I can come to my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be that dad. And I, I'm thankful that I'm learning how to create space for that. Yes. And I think you made a good point about normalizing these things that are going on in our teenagers that they don't feel like they're abnormal or strange, that this is all part of the process. And if we can tell them and show them this is normal, that it would bring them some relief. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the sexual area, but it's a huge season where they're growing into um, an understanding of their body and how to manage it, how to govern it. And they're creating patterns. They're creating neurological patterns and, you know, reward systems, dopamine hits, all of these things are powerful. And we need to fight for, you know, men, husbands, first of all, ourselves for the gift of holiness to protect it. It is a gift um, to fight for it because God's heart is freedom. So freedom for young men, freedom for old men, and middlemen, uh, and for women as well. There, you'll, mm-hmm. There's bondage and there's issues of secrecy for girls as well. Yes, and I know in this age, too, with so much available in internet media, that it's probably becoming more common with girls today. So mm-hmm. to be open and talk about that. But also in these teen years that girls are looking already for relationships and wanting something outside of the family to affirm their identity and beauty for something deeper and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so as a dad, you know, I, I want to know that I've affirmed and loved as a man Mm -hmm. in their lives. And it gets weird because they're developing and their bodies are changing. And in that moment, it's hard sometimes for the man to, like my little girl's grown up. She's mm-hmm. a woman. Do I still cuddle her? Do I still tickle her? Do I, you know, what do right. I, what do I do? So you can't hug enough, love enough. That's something I should have done more with our oldest daughter was in that time, just move into that insecurity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. affirm it and, and love physical attention and words of affirmation in that time because they're going to seek it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so why not just start filling it and giving her that confidence from a, a good source? Let's move to social circles. I wrote down here friends. And in the good old days, those were the ones you went to school with. Mm-hmm. And you played with at recess or your neighbors. And that still may be the case, but raising teenagers today, those social circles are all over the place. And mm-hmm. even in spaces, you have no idea. Right. Talk to Noah and he's talking to people from all different countries. It's amazing. Amazing and also potentially dangerous. 
you have to get to know some of the platforms they're on. I know like Discord right now and our family and different places where they're connecting with friends, playing games, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But we found with one of our teens, um, they really started getting depressed Mm -hmm. and struggling. And we're like, what's going on? And the more we dug into it, there was kind of a little click. And they were like picking on him. I gave away that it was a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he was getting caught in this, you know, silly drama and really bullying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you think that it's just like in the schoolyard, but it, their whole world can come crashing down 13, 14 years old. And they, they're, you know, again, based on their personality, they don't even know these people yet. Their whole day is ruined because of what somebody texted or said. As parents, I think it's important that we're putting the questions in their minds. Are these people, are these friends uh, bringing me joy, bringing me life, challenging me, helping me be who I know I am? Uh, Or after I've interacted with them, do I feel worse? Not telling them what friends they can and can't have, but giving them good questions. Or should everything be open and known? Yeah. I think if you've got a good relationship with your teen, then it's back to freedoms. You know, it's like uh, your social circle is just like giving permission to drive the car. It's like, are you making good choices? If they're mm-hmm. continually coming up with these type of friends, then maybe you do need to pull the curtain back and really see what's there. I think every teen, their maturity levels are different too. With some of our kids, they can be taken advantage of. Yeah. This would be a good time to have lots of conversations and create these safe spaces so that it's not that you're needing to check up on them, but you're already talking about a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And asking what they think, what's their vision for friendship? What's their, what are their goals in those relationships or even values. This is a time in the teen years too, they're exploring their own gifts, their interests, their hobbies, their own personality. And we talked about in the preteens, they're trying on even different personalities Mm -hmm. and seeing what gets their parents riled up. Yeah, Are my parents looking for just some uh, particular outward behaviors or are they embracing who I am no matter what? And so go back and listen to that if you didn't listen to the preteen one, because this this is the time where they should settle into more of who they are, as we're just giving them the grace for that, and giving them also opportunity to risk and to fail. We have this saying, fail fast, and that failure is not defining for who you are. We've seen several times, like whether it's to play a sport or to... Uh, public speak or to do something for the first time it, there's a lot of firsts in the teen yes. years yeah musical instruments mm. friends new places all the unknown things they're mm-hmm. venturing into and i think that it's important to give them the space like you said to fail and mistakes but they know that coming home is a safe place to regather themselves and to find a place where everything's okay and that we as parents are not embarrassed by them. I think that they can pick up on our own fears 
and what we're wanting them to be and what kind of projection are they giving the world? How does that reflect on our family? And so we're parenting and giving this impression that we need them to be a certain way for us mm-hmm. and for our name, but to let them explore and I think I would say to respect them as a person, as an individual, the way they express themselves, the way they do things to respect that as that an individual. That can be hard because we see the toddler, we see the 10-year-old, the 13-year-old, you know, they get in and they are looking for that affirmation like I'm I'm an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and for parents, it's probably harder. I know that when our kids are teens, see, you even say kids, yeah. you know, but when the young adults are around other parents, like I'm always surprised how they step up their game mm-hmm. and they say meaningful things and they're, they're, they're exploring in that. And that's what you want, right? You mm-hmm. don't want to pull them back. Like, why are you talking to that person? <laughs> uh, but they, They've always surprised me how much more mature they are when they're allowed to come out from my shadow. Mm-hmm. And that's another regret is that I didn't allow, you know, the whole helicopter parenting thing. It's not just protective of them physically. Mm-hmm. You also can like suffocate them from really, like you're saying, respecting who they are. So that takes effort, intentionality. I've had to bite my tongue. Tongue many times. <laughs> Yeah, and just let let them fly. We've been watching National Geographic and just seeing all the <laughs> the ways in which you know these birds jump out of the nest and have to start flying. They got to start exercising these wings, and so our teens are just like those birds. They need the space to build those muscles and uh, prepare for that moment when mom and dad aren't there. Mm-hmm. For a minute, just talk about dating. Uh, We won't get into philosophies and the culture that you're building in your family. It's going to look different than maybe your neighbors or those that even you go to church with. Mm -hmm. But for us personally, we didn't ever have a no dating rule. Uh, We never really promoted it either. It was just, hey, you need to learn how to interact with the opposite sex. You're going to find some of them attractive, they're going to find you attractive and it's going to get weird (laughs) and it's going to be interesting and confusing and all of those things. But one question I'd always ask my kids is like, where is this going? Mm -hmm. And to, as parents, we always want to tell, but this is the time you need to get really good at asking questions so that they're starting to process. Yes, it seems like from our experience that they want to get serious rather quickly and they're still young. Yeah, 15 years old. Yeah, I think this is the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we really aren't good <laughs> I would ask them if I saw that they were kind of, in my mind, dating mm-hmm. and they were exclusive, then you can kind of move in with, you know, questions that do shock them too. Like, is this, do you think this is your spouse? And, you know, at 15 years old, also they can be totally freaked out by, what are you talking about? Mm. You know, we're just going to see a movie or we're going to hang out, but it's like, start to sow those seeds early because we 
teach them like, hey, once this becomes romantic, if you really like this relationship, if this is a really good friend, then be careful because it's probably going to be ruined mm-hmm. if it turns romantic and it doesn't work out. So, and if you're, we talk about pace, mm-hmm. I think with all of our kids, <laughs> I've got like the same speech <laughs> for all of these guys and girls that, you know, you're not going to, because of culture, be able to marry at least until you're 20. So you set the, the benchmark. So back up, how old are you now? So let's mm-hmm. say 16. So, how can you pace this relationship so that if this is the one, because it could be, mm-hmm. how can you get to that finish line and not have destroyed, you know, the relationship, crossed all the barriers that you felt were important, your own values compromised? Those questions help to naturally, you know, derail some of these relationships because they picked up by themselves, like, you know what, this is going too fast, or I feel trapped. And on their own, they were able to navigate out of these situations without conflict. Of course, you know, if somebody's much older, like our older daughter had somebody interested, she was maybe 15, he was 20 or something. And it's like, okay, this isn't going to happen. I had to sit down and actually tell him that it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they're old enough to navigate and the age is close together, then I was always afraid to make it worse mm-hmm. by just, again, moving in with role, exercising my fatherly authority instead of, hey, okay, we've invested so far all of these seeds and values. We've been stocking their shelves with morals and being able to think what do they think? What do they want? And putting it back into their court. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think we've mentioned this before, but to say it again, to as they're going through these years, teaching them to be mindful about themselves and pay attention to what's going on uh, as they know their bodies are changing and they're feeling all these things and to pay attention to all these emotions that they're feeling. You know, for me, that was something grew up learning. Your emotions are not good. You have them, but they, should, they shouldn't rule your life or your day. But I heard this really neat example on a podcast recently that your emotions are like the dashboard on your car. And they're telling you something and to pay attention to them, like you're needing affirmation or you're running out of gas, your body's tired, you know, what is your anger saying? And to teach them through these teen years that even as the emotions go wildly up and down still, like pay attention to what it's saying to you and telling you so that you can learn how to navigate with them through them. One of our boys in a relationship where I could tell he wasn't happy, but he maybe refused to admit some of those emotions and feel them. And so it took a while before he realized, you know what, I I do feel trapped. And so that 
begins another series of questions of like, is that a healthy relationship? Especially if you find and if the teens are really super protective of one another and they're exclusive to the point of like jealousy and all of these things, it's like that, this is not what you build even a marriage on. Mm-hmm. This is not love. This is not trust. So you're emotionally not ready even for this relationship. So as parents, we do have a role to protect and to help navigate through the wisdom that we have, but to do it in a way that's truly loving them, like you're yes. wanting the best for them. You're wanting them to really be free even in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when they feel that, then they'll come for advice. Yes. If they sense, they have spidey senses too, if they see <laughs> that you're just to break them up or something, that's just not going to work. Yes, and that goes back to paying attention to our own patterns and our own emotions, what we're feeling and how we can unconsciously try and manipulate them to a certain decision or even shame them towards something that trying to get them to be somebody or do something that we approve of. We heard this example of that we're not on a cruise ship and we're the cruise ship director trying to create fun things for them to do, but that as a family, we are going somewhere, a destination that they can feel like they're an important part of an overall mission and that they're playing a role in this. Yeah, all hands on deck. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that speaks to us having a vision and a heart for something outside of ourselves and our own family that they can be an important part of. Yeah, there was an article or something on like kids, teens, this is when they jump ship. And every other family looks more exciting, like that cruise ship. They're like, let me off this ship. Look at them over there. That family's so cool. They do this, that, and the other. So how do you compete? You don't ratchet up Mm -hmm. the fun. Mm -hmm. You give responsibility like you are part of this team. So if it's washing dishes or cutting the grass, and like we've not been super disciplined when it comes to like giving chores. They seem to ebb and flow. But we will say easily they're the most happy and content when they are pulling their weight and doing those things. It's when they just sit in back and don't have any purpose mm-hmm. that they're the most miserable. Yes. And I think also like outside of the home and family, when they can see that you are passionate about something, helping or serving or leading something that is reaching others or serving others that they catch this heart in you and you're not forcing them to come along or do something but you're showing them how they in their youth can play an important part in being part of the team that cares about others and we've been like out of traditional organized religion for five or six years or more Mm -hmm. and so but our teens during the phase when we would be in a Sunday church, like they, they wouldn't want to go like, and we wouldn't either. (laughs) So there'd be a a consensus that none of us wanted to be there. Um, So maybe you love going to church and that's great, but some of you might be in a space too, where your, your teen kids just don't 
want to go. I would just be free and just like, look, whatever you need to do to stay nourished, to have, you know, promote community, promote vulnerable, open relationships and relationships of accountability with friends and mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's what they need. Ultimately, they don't need to go and make you look good, you know, go and pay their dues on Sunday as if that's going to, you know, make Jesus smile. Yes, I think they can pick up on our own friendships and our own community that we are being honest and vulnerable with others and growing with others and that they would want to follow in our footsteps with that. Yeah, that's ultimately what you're wanting for them as they reach that adult, young adulthood and they do leave. They value those things wherever they go. We had limited options for jobs in Ukraine. We were in a small village, but we did have the cafe. And one of the reasons to have the cafe, besides have some food options in our town, was to have a place of work mm-hmm. and just to have schedules. The older ones missed out on that, uh, but the some of our teens were able to you know, work a few years making pizza or being a barista. And even just the minimal scheduled work was so good and rewarding i think for them it built their confidence and wasn't even about the money Mm -hmm. it was that they became good at something and finished finished something as well and maybe as we closing the podcast we can talk about their journey with god their perceptions of god they are reading the same bible maybe (laughs) as we are uh but giving them space to explore, not just giving them a packaged system of answers because they've got a lot of questions, and so do we. Yes, and going back to the beginning of the podcast, we're talking about just enjoying this time of their minds developing and their theological questions as well about God and life and what's their responsibility and how we enjoyed exploring some of these different topics, and that we didn't have to agree on a lot of things. Everything's open for discussion and for questioning. And Not with the first couple kids, though. Like, that was hard because mm-hmm. you're doing everything for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the first teens, they're, they're the first time we've had these questions about you know, creation, the age of the earth, you know, they're starting to study science, biology, they're, now they're trying to integrate their faith. Mm -hmm. And I remember the older two having questions and interests that were like, oh my goodness, I haven't, can you pause for about an hour? I need to go study this to give you an answer. You should know. I should have the answers because, because Christianity is about answers. Yes. Being certain. So now looking back, yes, there's space now. I can say I don't know mm-hmm. a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. And that actually fuels their interest because they're like, oh, okay, mom and dad don't know. I'm going to really dive into this and <laughs> study it more. I remember Bronwyn, our oldest daughter, getting a book. Uh, this is before I went to Fuller and learned that I don't know anything. <laughs> and she was, and it was on Matthew 24. It was the whole preterist, you know, what's been fulfilled when Jesus is talking about, you know, they'll flee to the mountains and a book on understanding that text 
not from a rapture perspective, but from a, an amillennial perspective. I remember getting this book and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is she studying? You know, now I read it and I'm like, oh, it's a good book. But she had ordered it because she was interested in it, had, had been in some discussions with her friends and was taking initiative. So that touches maybe as parents insecurity. Yes. Or can. Mm-hmm. instead of like, wow, you go girl, mm-hmm. like good for you. I can't, I can't study everything. Why don't you teach me something? Yes. And to promote open discussion again, like we said earlier, but in the realm of beliefs and our understanding of God, it doesn't have to be a certain set of beliefs. You have to believe this, but mm-hmm. that the salvation is a person. Mm. And it's a relationship. There's so much to learn together. It really does show, however, what are the, you know, Jenga pieces in us Mm -hmm. that are sensitive or maybe even to us, you know, don't touch that one (laughs) because my whole faith will fall down. Mm -hmm. And let that insecurity actually, again, be a mirror. I'm giving myself advice to... Just take a deep breath and be like, okay, well, that's, let me know. I want to stay engaged in that conversation mm-hmm. with your teen um, and not just draw a line like you believe this and I believe that and now there's some sort of rift. Right. And if we want them to be lifelong learners, we need to model the way. Lifelong. Yeah, yeah. the word disciple. So are they... A disciple's not somebody who's figured it all out. Mm-hmm. Got we're, the textbook, studied it, yeah, checked all the answers. Done. Good Christian. So we're learners. The word disciple is a learner. Jesus, the the teacher, he said, come learn from me. Mm-hmm. And so when do you know it all? <laughs> when have you finished the school of Jesus and his cross? And actually that might be pretty boring. If you got to the place where, okay, I know it, growth is finished. Isn't it funny? That's how we viewed Christianity for the first 15, 20 years. It was like those Christians who knew the most, could answer the most, like they were the really strong Christians. Yes, they got to the level. Right. (laughs) Right. Instead of embodying it, you know, this mm-hmm. this pursuit of becoming like Christ, which is going to take a lifetime, and there's going to be ups and downs even in our kids. So back to giving ourselves mercy and mm-hmm. giving them, extending it to them. Because the if you can't give it to them yes. in this period or any period of your child raising, then it really speaks to your concept of mercy mm-hmm. and how maybe you're not receiving it in your life. Yeah. Well, think of this quote, Simone Wheel, compassion to oneself is true humility. Now I'm speechless. (laughs) I had written down some advice I'd give myself. I think we covered most of it though. And I'll just say the main thing I would tell myself in the teenage years is to be okay being their friend. So you're growing into friendship That wasn't the case, you know, as a toddler, they're needing structure, they're needing you to be a father, a mother, but as they get into the preteens, into the teenage years, now we're, 
as their bodies are transforming, our roles should be transforming as well. Going out on having lunch with them, mm-hmm. you know, like you would a friend, mm-hmm. um, going for walks or just, I was going to say also we did that we still do like these family meetings that I think are really important and they seem to enjoy mm-hmm. where it's like official time. There's some official business, there's an <laughs> agenda and it's a time though. They, they know that there's maybe family movement decisions, things that involve them and they have a voice. Mm-hmm. And it was always funny whenever we called these family meetings, it was unifying and it brought together all ages Yeah, and the teens they're also showing the younger kids like you're going to get to this place too. Um, And the young kids would just go off and play after five minutes. They are totally (laughs) bored. But back to my point to be, to be moving into friendship, transforming our relationship from role and from a role as a parent into friendship. And you're always going to be their mom and their dad, but there's more than that. Mm-hmm, right. To really engage with them and serve them like Jesus came to serve the disciples. Like you really can serve your kids in this way and in friendship and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Any final words of advice to yourself? I think it's the same for every podcast we do is to work on your own issues because they play a huge part in your parenting. So take care of yourself. Look at what you're dealing with and don't put your own issues on the shelf. Back to parenting from transformation. Yes. Yeah. That should be a name of a book. Mm. It'd be hard book to read. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I think we're going to come back with one more to finish it on young adults. We're still learning and failing, but there are some things I think that we can share. See you next time. 